Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Baum. My guest this week is Sam Carter of the band Architects, who just put out a record called For Those That Wish to Exist on Epitaph Records. And they got the number one record, not only in the UK, but also in Australia, and definitely charted pretty high here in the US. And um, I got to say, for to see that happen to not only guitar music in, uh, in 2021, but to see that happen for an aggressive band, I don't know. It felt like kind of a win for everybody. And uh, so I was really excited to talk to him. Also, the morning that we spoke, um, Elton John had just played one of their songs on the radio and gave it a really nice intro. So both of our brains were just completely melted by by that happening. So that was like a fun, a fun thing to kind of speak on. Um, but yeah, uh, this uh, this conversation is a little bit longer than the usual ones. We get into a lot of different topics. Uh, it gets heavy at some points, uh, just a fair warning. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate you being here. This is my conversation with Sam Carter, and this is the first ever podcast. Sam, my friend. Hi. Hello, my friend. <laughs> How are we're, you? We're good. I'm good. I'm, we're good. Um, it's just me. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah. How are you? Oh man, I'm good. I was I've been looking forward to to talking to you. You're you know we've we toured together at this point. It's a scary like eight years ago or something like that. But I mean, you you and your bandmates have always remained some of my favorite people I've ever shared the road with. So getting to catch up with you is always a joy. So thanks for thanks for coming on and hanging out with me. Oh, thank you so much, man. It's it's. I mean, we look back on that tour so fondly. Like honestly, one of my favorite tours we've ever done. And I think. The main reason being just how much fun we had with you guys. I mean, we were both, I mean, playing shows that were way too big for both of us <laughs> and, uh, and just kind of like watching Rise Against being like, how does this happen? Like, how does this punk band start playing to 12,000 people in Germany? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just so fun. I think also we were really trying to impress you as well because we like all of us were massive Touche fans as well. So it was like, ah. I hope these, hope these guys like us. <laughs> like everybody trying to be like cool as we can be. We we went into that. I mean, I'm sure same as as you, because at that point, those were the biggest rooms you had ever played as well, I, I'm yeah, assuming. For okay, sure, yeah. yeah. So like we went into that having just no idea what to expect you know what i'm saying just like yeah. why you know this is we shouldn't turn this down because we'll never be in a situation like this again like playing to this many thousands of people so like for sure for the joke even let's do it yeah. <laughs> let's just, just for like the photos it's worth it yeah just, we can we can put this somewhere and be like this was a headline show <laughs> yeah i'll convince I'll, I'll convince all the people i went to high school with that i'm friends with on facebook that my life is actually worth something um so so yeah and then you know like we we had certainly never met you guys and had no idea you know like i hope the same as you like i hope we can get along with everybody and it's not weird or whatever and just yeah. instantly bonded with you guys and the rides against guys who yeah they were super you know, nice yeah i always say like i you know I, when people ask me about over the because we toured with them again in the states a couple of years later and like yeah. you know people will always ask like you know what bands you've toured with that you know were maybe you know they try to get like the gossipy stuff like which bands <laughs> were kind of like assholes and i was like yeah. like was rides against a bunch of assholes i'm like <laughs> i swear to god they're probably the most punk band we've toured with yeah like definitely and they gave it they like i feel like that was such a cool learning a time to learn for all of us i think because as, i mean for both our bands being in rooms like that is so different to what we were used to at the time and it was like well 
you got to give it even more. Like playing a stage like that and just seeing, and also just like how kind they were. You know, like I think sometimes there was like some, you know, even like local promoters or people that would be around would think that things were like just for rise against and they would always come out of their way to be like no you guys not going to come and get some food like you know this is for all of us and right. I, always re- I always remember that and just i've always kind of carried that with me and like be more rise against you know sure yeah those experiences are so so important i remember a thing that i always talk about that they did that that uh was so just cool to see was do you remember by the merch table they always had uh the table set up with all the pamphlets and stuff about like you know animal rights and veganism yes. and straight ed- like, yes. like all that sort of stuff and the yeah. fact that and the fact that they like paid for the travel and accommodation for those like you know basically crust punk you know yeah. kids to like it's come so cool. on this tour it's and so have cool. that's yeah it's like for a band that has a message like that to totally actually put their money where their mouth is and not just you know sing it on stage it's, it's yeah. it was really cool so that was around around then it was sort of the time that i had started fit like knowing about sea shepherd and knowing about like a lot of animal rights charities and seeing them be have that have them at the tables at those shows definitely made me be like okay we have to do this at every single show that we do from now on and then oh, i think I that, that was i completely forgot that that was like the birth of 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 when we started inviting sea shepherd to shows and then through that through raising like a bunch of money every tour you know and and through making friends with them eventually they they made me the like a uk ambassador of sea shepherd which was <laughs> like which was so nuts and still is yeah. nuts. i still can't believe it um because i love that that organization so much but yeah that was the that was the like sort of birth of it really uh, yeah what a what a good time what a good yeah, time the best uh yo you're from brighton originally right i know the yeah. band is like based from there but are you born and raised in brighton i was born just a little bit out of brighton so i'm like 30 minutes away from here like near next to this place called east preston and rustington which is like a really small village um which is actually pretty you know has had some decent bands come from it as uh, my my friend uh one of my one of my best friends plays drums in that band royal blood and uh, okay. we used to, we lived on the same street for a little bit of time, so we <laughs> we for a for a small village with like ten thousand people, we're we, we're doing all right. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Uh, were you? Would you like go to Brighton? You know, like on weekends and stuff yeah. with the family, like that. Yeah. like that was the destination spot. And like it was the destination with with my friends as well. You know, like thirty minutes outside of you know where we lived, where there was nothing really, but just sort of a really nice quiet beach and you just skate there there wasn't really any shops or anything to do or you know so we would just get the train like every weekend and just you know go into town and go to like the bigger skate parks and yeah just go to like cool skate shops and yeah and just try and buy records and literally i would work like monday to friday doing a paper round um in the morning before school and then at the weekend i would just go and spend it on records <laughs> and there was like, oh, that's awesome yeah then is not the, much has changed <laughs> yeah right is the is the record shops that you would go to as a kid still there there's a record shop in a in a place called worthing which is like a few stops before brighton which was this place called music mania and my friend um that actually plays drums in dead swans have you talked with dead swans no, never toured with them, but I'm aware. I mean, I, I know them because of yeah. uh, just them being on Bridge Nine for those couple yeah. of years. He's a he's an amazing guy, the drummer, and um, we went to school together. Um, but he actually put up a picture of this store recently and was like, "This store's still going." And the amount of people that were in bands 
that were replying to him and him posting them where like that was like our education of like going in there and finding out these bands and it was almost like you'd go in and buy a cd and i don't know if kids still have this but i definitely do but i just remember going in looking inside the record seeing what shirts bands were wearing and then going and buying the cds of the shirts that the bands were wearing because i was like well if they're wearing it they must like this band and they must be influenced by them and that really stuck with me yeah i mean that's between that and thank you notes or like the thank you list in yes in, uh, yes in, the first you know, and- four bands you'd be like they must be tight <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and, and then like the the next level below that or whatever would be record label which yep. you know being like yeah and that that would sometimes get you into trouble though because you would sometimes you know <laughs> save up your money and blindly buy a cd and then it's not good and then you have to force yourself to like it but i appreciate <laughs> yeah. i appreciated the the struggle of like uh, yeah I, you know, I spent 20 bucks or 15 yeah. bucks i gotta i gotta make this good what was your first experiences connecting with music like the first thing that felt like it was yours um i think the first thing i did was well, i used to play drums so i started playing drums when i was 13 years old and um my dad which which i like super we we, we came from like a like middle class you know we weren't super well off and you know he but they we had a nice house you know they they worked hard for it but he didn't buy me a drum kit straight off the bat he was like you know if you want to learn this and you and you're like gonna do this for a thing i want you to you know take your time and 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 save up for it so i saved up for like i think the majority of the drum kit which was really not that much money it was like a second hand kit um Mm -hmm. but i remember like getting that kit and just being like this is just this is just insane i can just go into a room in my house and play this you know whereas before it was like i could only do it when i was doing drum lessons and it was almost like leaving you'd be like oh no another week um and then from then it was like just any chance I got just playing drums, playing along to records, which wasn't as easy as kids can do it now. You know, like, <laughs> I used to play along to a CD player and it would be like, oh, I've played too hard. It's skipped. And now I have no idea where I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. So kids definitely have it easier nowadays. But I think totally. that was the time where I was like, okay, like I'm really in love with this. And and this is obviously like a, a more than a passion now. It's like I, I wasn't. I wasn't really great at school. I didn't, I didn't really pass anything. Um, and I just knew that I, I had to do something in music. And and, and I knew that it, it, if I kept practicing, then I would get better. And yeah, I guess that was the first time I, I really realized I was in love with it was when I could just see that drum kit in my room. Right. And what what were some of the bands you were listening to that you that you like fell in love with early? Oh, early, early days, it was like, you know, Nirvana was the first was the first like i guess like rock band that i was really you know drawn to like my uncle gave me um i think he gave me like all two at least he definitely gave me nevermind in utero in utero or however you say it in in america or or england i've probably just got it wrong on both ends um i just say in utero i I just (laughs) yeah in utero and uh i was like just obsessed with it you know just really loud boomy drums was not something that you were were getting from from pop music i mean in my house my dad was you know a massive beatles head so i was sort of always around them and always around led zeppelin but there was something about the production of nirvana that was just like punching me in the face and making me me be like that's almost as loud as me playing drums upstairs Um, so i think that and then combined with 
Blink One Eight Two were massive as well when when I was growing up and like seeing the video for like all the small things and made me be like, oh, it's cool to take the mick and out of these like like pop bands, you know, and and, and it, it felt like really like similar to like what we were going through in our little village where it was just like, oh, we're just skating around. You know, like California for me was like a dream. Like, whoa, what what do they do there? They just skateboard and surf and like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think Blink and Nirvana was my first. The Beatles obviously throughout my whole childhood, but then actually when it came to trying to learn songs, Nirvana and, and, and Blink for sure. And those are two drummers that are uh, quite exceptional. So that's <laughs> the, you're setting yourself on a high bar there with, yeah. with trying to play along to those specifically. Oh, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I I definitely was not playing them right. You know, it's just <laughs> just a, a whole lot of hit and hope. <laughs> if you had to, this is always a fun talk. If you had to choose between uh, Bleach, Nevermind, or In Utero, which 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 is your record? I, I have to say, Nevermind. I just, it's just. I, it's perfect. I mean, not that the other two aren't, but sure. I just I think that record holds such a special place in my heart for for just the the inspiration that it gave me and, and just Kurt's melodies are, are insane. Like it's just just the best, but also the pain that's behind those melodies as well. It's not fake. It's not someone being like, "I've got to scream over this bit." It's like mm -hmm. the way that he breaks his voice you know coming from singing something so you know quiet and peaceful breaking into that sort of yell in, in so many parts of that record it, it's unbelievable man that's a whole conversation in itself yeah. i mean the yeah. the i i've always i often have this talk often honestly with with uh people who front aggressive bands but like you know i i with the amount of aggressive music that you know is is around and and constantly coming out and whatever like yeah I, it's never been that I, I i don't i'd like to hope that it's never been that i'm just you know jaded or something like that but like you know i can i can tell within the first you know minute of listening to a new aggressive record or you know whether it's a hardcore band a metal band or something like that or punk band like you can tell pretty instantly whether this person is yelling because that's what the genre calls for or yeah. if because or if they mean it. Yeah. It's a lot of the time as well. If you can tell they're trying to sound like a monster, you're like, right. What? 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 What is that? You know, where you, you just sound like a <laughs> troll underneath a hill. You're like, oh, yeah, that's not doesn't sound like you're upset or angry about anything. It just sounds like you're trying to scare me. Exactly. Like the my favorite moments in any vocal production on aggressive music in general is when the voice cracks or yeah. when you hear that that vulnerability. Like that's I'm sold. You yeah, know? absolutely. Those imperfections are are really often what make it. What was your first concert? The first show I went to was the Ataris. The Ataris, the Ataris, Ataris. Yeah, yeah. And they played in in Brighton, and I, I got the train down with my friends and. I think it was um, when they just put out So Long Astoria. So it was like l later on in, in their career. Okay. Um, but we were just like Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next 12 Exits was like almost like the anthem of my school. Like everyone <laughs> that was in like the little skate courts would be listening to it. And um, yeah, they, I just remember going to the show and it was like the first time I was like in a pit. And it was the right. first time that like I was like seeing a band play live other than I think, you know, I went to. I went to go. And, I remember going to like a few shows with my dad. Like I went to go and see Paul Weller, which is a little bit cooler than the Ataris. Um, <laughs> but the first one that I went to by myself was that. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah. And it's and I'm sure that was exciting to you because for a lot of people of that era, like, you know, if you were if you were a Blink fan and you and you did like the minimal amount of research of the genre, you probably found the Ataris pretty quickly. So it's like yeah. you got to see sort of the baby. Yeah. You know, Blink in, and then in, it a, was, in that kind of an environment. And then it was like something about that that venue in Brighton that I think every single band that was ever on Drive Through Records played that venue. <laughs> they played mm. that venue and they played the Astoria in, in London. What venue was that in Brighton? It was the Concord 2 in Brighton, which okay. is which is, is such a, yeah, it's such an a, a such a great venue. It's like a six, seven hundred cap room. Um, okay. but the people that run it are absolutely incredible. Like so, so, so kind to us. They've always been so amazing. We normally start sort of every tour or every sort of album release, we do a show there. And every oh, okay. time it's still like, you know, I remember being in the crowd and and looking up on that stage and being like wow i hope one day we can do it and it yeah it's it's amazing it's always been really cool for 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 uh, local bands as well i remember you know the the first time architect saw me as a singer i was opening a show um for bring me the horizon they were they were playing a show in in brighton and my like a band that i just started like shouting in i guess like shouting mm -hmm. and singing in it kind of sounded like hopesful which which okay. you know i love hopesful but um yeah, they came to the show and their singer had quit the day before, I believe. And then I was just, you know, first show with this new band. And then the next day, I, I, um, me and Ali worked on the same street in in this in Worthing, where we both lived, not lived, where we both worked. And um, he was like, "Oh, our, our singer's quit. We'd we'd love it if you try out." And you know, if I hadn't have played that show supporting bring me there and, and that venue giving local bands a chance to do to do shows there i wouldn't be in this position now so it's it's super cool wow i i love those just time and place situations just lining up and you know yeah. I, I don't know that i necessarily believe in in you know some sort of destiny or something but yeah you know, it's hard to argue that situation you know yeah i remember him, him he came into my work and i worked in this like health food store and ali worked in like a jeans store he like sat me down and was like so you know, uh, Matt's left and um, just want to know if you want to try out. So at, at this point, I'm still predominantly a drummer. And I was like, dude, I can't play double kick drums. Like, there's no way I'm I'm trying out for your band. Like, I'm not. There's, there's just no way. And he was like, oh, no, it's the singer. I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I want to I want to definitely get to that. But there's there's a few, I got a few more first questions before we hop to uh, hop to uh, to architects with uh, Please. was your first band that you played in um, or started? Were you playing drums in that band? Yeah, I was in a I was in a band called Stories. Really great name. Um, it, initially, it was called Stories for Nine Year Olds, which was just a book that was like in my house randomly, like in my room, like a bookshelf of books that I wasn't even looking at. Uh -huh. um, and then I was just sat there one day, just being like, "What the hell do we call this band that I was in?" It was, you know, just so terrible. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I just <laughs> pulled this book off the shelf, and I was like, "That's funny. Like maybe this this will work." You know. I, and uh, yeah, eventually I sort of grew up and was like, we just cut this down to stories because that's just, <laughs> yeah. that's, just that's better. Um, right. And then after that, I, I, I joined, I was in like four bands, I think. I was like going to work every day and then I would take my cymbals and snare drum with me and then I would like rehearse it with a different band every night after work and I would have to get the train with my cymbals and, and snare. And it was, I was in a, I was in a like punk, like a hardcore band called Nervous Wreck. Um, that were we sounded like outbreak we toured with outbreak actually um, oh wow 
that was my first ever tour. It was like a, a, we did we managed to like make a tour happen by getting in contact with local promoters. Um, so we played like four shows of their tour, which was oh, cool because yeah. we were like, "Hey, we're on your tour, even though you don't yeah. know us." Um, yeah. Which, looking back, is kind of cool that you know you're kind of just emailing and like myspacing people, just being like, "Please, we've got two shows. If we get this one, we'll, we you know we might be able to rent a van." Um, right. And then I was in um I was in the band that I I was screaming in. I was in that band's stories, and then I was, oh, I can't remember the name of the other band I was in. Um, but yeah, we would all. Do, oh, I was in a band called This City. Um, okay, and the, they actually signed to Epitaph when I left. Um, uh, but I don't really, I don't know if much really happened with them. But yeah, they were like a sort of indie dance sort of band. Um, so I was just wow. just throwing stuff at the wall, being like, I just want to go on tour. Any of these bands, any of these avenues. Yeah, throwing everything at the wall, just seeing what's going to stick. You just wanted to play. And it sounds like you just had extreme drive, like immediately. Yeah. Just, I mean, also just traveling with symbols and a, and a snare. I mean, at this point, even having to do that at the yeah. airport is a fucking nightmare. So yeah. doing that just. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, I just, there was, I just wasn't good at anything else. Like, that's honestly the truth. And it was like, well, I, I love this and it doesn't feel like work. And I'm, the more I'm practicing, the better I'm getting. And hopefully this can work out if I just keep trying. Like I just gave no room for anything else happening, um, which helps, you know, if you fail everything else. So <laughs> <it> just, <laughs> you can make it work. Definitely. Definitely. Um, what was the first, do you remember the first show you ever played? Um, yeah, I think it was probably, it was in, it was in, I think the first one that was kind of a show was in our school drama studio. Um, which still had like, it was still after school. So it was like a, a show that was put on there. But I think after that, with, there was a little venue, not even a venue. It was like a scout hut. Do you have the, you have the scouts in America? Uh, like the sort you of mean like, like, like boy scouts kind of yeah, a thing? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. There was like a scout hut called the Woodland Center in Rustington, which was a really small sort of just empty room, I guess. But you could rent a PA and just put it up on the stage and like nothing was mic'd up other than the vocals. So it must've just sounded just insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was my first one and just, you know, supporting a few older bands at school. And there was always this really good scene in, in that, in that really small village, there was always like four or five bands that would just, you know, hop on different bills and sort of like the more records you had out the higher up the bill you were you know and these re the records that you had out were like you know uh, you record them at school in the little recording studio and then you'd get the like mp3s and then just sit at like someone's parents computer and burn <laughs> cds all afternoon and then just sell them for like a pound and then, right. then they would and then that would pay for your band practice for for like three weeks if you sold 30. <laughs> right oh i love the hustle that's yeah. that's awesome um what, so that so that i assume i was gonna ask obviously what what also your first recording experience was i mean i know that's going to be very different than what you ended up doing later on in your life but uh yeah but uh well actually well the first well first going back to the to the first show do you do you remember feeling like a rush when you were actually playing in front of people for the first time that that yeah was similar to what you were expecting yeah, but I, I also remember just it, it feeling like nothing worked. It was like a, everything just went out the window. Like it was the first time I, I guess, like experienced just like holding my drumsticks too tight and then my arms just sort of giving up and like fills that would be so easy 
had just gone out the window. And I was like sort of learning how to deal with things on the spot, which I think is mm. so key to, to being a musician. And, uh, you know, like it's not it's not like your voice is 100% every day. You have to be able to navigate your way around that. Um, so I guess that was my first experiences of just like, well, it's not always going to go to plan, but, you know, you've got to have a plan B, a C and a D um, right. just in case things just fall apart in front of you. It's funny. My older brother uh, was always a drummer. So, like, there was always drums at my house and, and I can more or less bullshit a song, but I'm terrible. And that's not even me trying to sound modest. I'm actually terrible. But <laughs> but there's there would be times where I would, you know, if it's just me and me and the drum kit, I could play along to a song and I feel good about it. But then as soon as I want to then show my brother or something or show oh. a friend that I learned how to play the song, it's probably what you're describing. And the only way yeah. I can kind of I can kind of describe that feeling is um like when you're having a nightmare and you're trying to punch, but you have no power. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Exactly also, you're like, wait, exactly my arms it. are now, yeah, my arms are now falling apart. I'm not strong anymore. And I just fucked everything up. That's absolutely it. And it's just, you're just watching it. This is so much like a nightmare. You're just watching it happen. You can't do anything about it. You're just like, <laughs> oh God, everybody's seeing this. <laughs> but I don't think it's ever as bad as you think it is in your head. You know, you're just, oh, you're just yeah, yeah, things rarely are. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, what was the first show that you sang in then? Was it much? Was it like uh, very, very much later? Yeah, that, I think the first show that I'd sang as a as a frontman because I did some like backing vocals for those other bands um, with with just you know sort of shouting and kind of trying mm -hmm. to help the singer out that could could barely sing and barely play his instrument at the same time because we were <laughs> children um right so yeah the first show i did was was that show supporting uh bring me the horizon where where the guy saw me so that was my first um jesus first attempt of being a frontman yeah wow well that lucked out <laughs> yeah big time big God. time yeah, yeah wow do you remember what, what it felt like doing that even for the first time because that's kind of similar you know we're like yeah even even though you've practiced a bunch and whatever like and maybe you're kind of figuring out how to not totally blow your voice out but there's still a chance you're there's still a very high chance yeah. you're blowing your voice out anyway <laughs> absolutely like, absolutely but yeah I, mean, I probably first... couldn't talk for a week after it <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. i i completely i think get it i think it was like probably just giving it too much i think that's the thing where you're just like well i've watched the hellfest dvd and <laughs> i'm just gonna prance around the stage <laughs> I'm gonna prance around the stage like I'm the Norma Jean singer, but actually try yep. and sound good, um, right? Because because everybody knows that video with that guy. Every Yo. he was, you know, that DVD still gets put on. If you know we're like on tour somewhere, it's like you know everybody's had a couple of drinks. It's like, come on, let's watch the Dylan just set. <laughs> let's put that on, um, right? So it was, um, yeah, trying to trying to be like that, I guess, and just you know jumping in the crowd and and trying to be a front man because. You know, for so long, I've just been sort of sat at the back of the stage, probably overplaying and mm -hmm. overcomplicating things just to try and get people to look at me. And then yep. all of a sudden, you're just at the front and you're like, this is so cool. I can try and make the room clap <laughs> and try and get the room <laughs> to jump. And yeah, probably if I watched it back, I'd probably be sick watching it. Just like, oh, my God, you're so cringe. Oh, but, but uh, hey, but hey it, got me a gig. it got yeah. me a gig. Yeah, so let's get into when you when you joined Architect. So you you joined in two thousand seven, and it was immediately like so they had put out that record in two thousand six. Their singer mm -hmm. quit, and then it was yeah. like 
hey, we need a singer and we're about to do a new record. And yeah. I read that you had to like basically write a whole record in just a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So from six weeks from me joining the band, then we were in the studio. <laughs> and did they, so were, was all the music written? Because I mean, yo, I mean, looking at even just your discography um, and being friends with you as long as I have at this point now, like, you know, throughout our, just our friendship, you've now put out like six records or some <laughs> yeah, shit. So well, you, you guys put out so much music. It's so impressive. Um, we're giving Metallica like, a run for their Metallica a run for their money. And we've been a band <laughs> for like, just like a quarter of their time. Yeah. So you had just like a very small window to write, to write this record. Um, yeah. Was all the music written for it already? Yeah. I think the majority of it was because Tom and Tom and Dan were, were so busy they just loved writing music and obviously they they both lived at home at the time so they were always writing um but we had a lot of band practices i mean starting from from my first rehearsal with them they started playing new songs and that's almost like how i kind of figured out um their sort of weird time signatures because we used to be in, we used to be way more technical than we are now um and right. that was from for me like coming from being in just like hardcore bands and and fast sort of pop punk bands it was like I have to count like what like what's going on here <laughs> um so yeah from there really we did that and then they had like one more tour with their singer and I came out and sang one song at the end of every set it was like him being like this is this is going to be the new singer um and I came out and sang a song with him which was super cool because it made it feel you know like there was no animosity there or anything and um yeah that was that was really fun but yeah from then it, it, we had about six weeks and I, a lot of it I was sort of writing on the lawn of the studio while while the guys were like tracking drums and guitars. It was so insane. And I mean, I've from having to do that once in my life and it being something I will never do again. <laughs> how was that for you? <laughs> uh, do you know what? Weirdly, I loved it. It was something about the pressure, almost like, well, you've got a test due in tomorrow. Make it work. Yeah. You know, you're like, you spent all summer doing nothing, like get it done. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that was, I mean, only enjoyable because that was pretty much my, my childhood of actually doing tests. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was cool because it was still a time to, to get to know everyone really, you know, if, if they weren't, if someone wasn't tracking inside, it was like a, a small studio in Reading where Josh lives now. Um, and yeah, we would just sit on the lawn in like the sort of British summertime and, and I'd just be writing with like a dictionary <laughs> out front, <laughs> trying to trying to find words that were like, oh, that that sounds like that rhymes with that, um, right? Yeah, but I mean, looking back on it now, it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, whole right? <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, yeah, it's I I'm with you on the pressure aspect. Like, I need a fire under my ass to get something done. Yeah, it's like a date or almost like a date right. of being in the studio. Like, that's something to work towards. Like, get it done by then, but. Nobody needs to be sat in the studio trying to write with four <sighs> people staring at you. Exactly. Be like, you got it? What are, you, <laughs> are you ready to go yet? You're just like, I've, oh. Guys, I've got it. This hook's going to change our lives forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to go back for, for what you were just saying a second ago. So, uh, And I was struggling with my computer for a second, so I want to make sure I didn't miss it. So you were saying that there was a tour where the original singer sang and you came out just for the last song? Was that a tour? Yeah. yeah so were it was you like a... It was a headline tour of theirs for that record. Um, so I just, it was basically just an idea for me to to come on the tour, I guess, to sort of just get to know everyone because I knew Ali um, right. because of because of like local bands and stuff. But with Tom and Dan and Tim that was in the band at the time, I'd, I'd 
barely spent half an hour with him other than other than having band practices so it was like going out and like creating that friendship and and the, and you know nothing builds friendships like sitting in the van and and just chatting shit and and having a laugh and having good times and trying to 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 get to know each other i mean still at that time i was like an annoying kid and I, it's amazing that i managed to make it through to now <laughs> well but, I guess what I'm know. wondering is what what were you doing the rest of the the, the day? <laughs> did you have a did you have a, a job on the tour? <laughs> like, no, I just sat, I just sat around <laughs> help help them load in, and then I pretty much just spent the rest of my time just smoking. I used to smoke back then. Right. I would just sort of sit outside by the by the van and just be like, "This is so cool!" So I can come on tour and just smoke. Wow, <laughs> you, know, like, you literally you spend yeah. the you you live in tour life for like five minutes a yeah, night. That's respect, it. And just respect. come out and be like, right, I've got to wipe the floor with this guy, um, just so uh, that their fans don't like heckle me. Oh sure, <laughs> but I mean, like at that point, the shows were like fifteen people. You know, it's like still going out. Like I gotta kill this guy. Right? How <laughs> how was the? You know, I'm sure you've had you've talked this throughout many times especially in those days but like how was that transition um from the from the listenership like was it because the band was so small still at the time like it didn't really um it, there wasn't a lot of discourse about it or yeah i i think yeah. it was it was pretty smooth because i mean the size of the band i think a lot of people just even now probably still just assume that i've been in from from the start um, right, but yeah, it was pretty smooth. I mean, nothing compared to what some bands have to go through when they when they change their singer. I'm sure there were some people that were like, "No," because he looked like a pretty metal dude, and then I came in with like a blonde fringe and you know hair straighteners, <laughs> trying to be like trying to look really cool. Um, yeah. So I'm sure there were some people that were like, "Nope, I'm not doing this anymore." Because like Architects' first show was supporting Nile. And I think that I think they literally were still at school. I think they left they like got out of school and then came and, and supported Nile at that Concord oh two venue that I was talking about. So they they definitely had some serious metal metal fans. Yeah. Damn. Um and then so uh I was gonna ask though, so like with Hollow Crown, the the record that followed mm -hmm. a couple of years later, did you did you go into that uh like way more prepared? Like you're like, okay. I know this is coming. I'm going to spend the time so I'm not having to write the studio. Uh, you would think, or wouldn't you? <laughs> you would think. I think, I think I'd definitely written more, but there was still some stuff that was... Because we'd been on tour pretty much the whole time before that, but that was so key in in my learning how to sort of be a front man and and, and just use my voice in, in less than a, in a sort of one-dimensional way and, 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 you know, get that feeling across. I mean, in between that time, I think we we toured America, supporting like we were supposed to be supporting Dillinger, and they pulled out. So we ended up supporting Emil, which was a disaster, um, because I mean, supporting Dillinger is is one thing because their fans would have probably understood what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, if you're supporting Emil, they just want breakdowns, and and at the time we just we just didn't have any, you know, we, or, or if we did, you had to work for four minutes to get to it and, <laughs> and have to count backwards before it got there. <laughs> and now I'm curious though, cause you, I remember one of the things, one of the conversations uh, that I'll never forget uh, when we all became friends was, was you all telling us about um, the really rough tour you guys did in the U S was that that tour that, yeah, we did that. Yeah. That was, so it was suicide silence. Um, a muir us and yeah it was just so just 
I mean, just eye-opening. I mean, we, we, right. we, we'd never toured America before, never been away from home for that amount of time. Um, literally just thought it would be like Europe where you could go and make a certain amount of money, that would cover your gas, and then you get to the next venue. Um, but, you know, we'd, we'd never experienced being on like a six, seven-band bill and being the first band on after 15 minutes. Like, no one cared. I remember just... There were some shows where people would turn around and just <sighs> put their back to you and you'd be like, I am like 18 and uh, just want to play these songs for you and you, you're just turning around. And you're having to like adjust to that almost like childlike anger where you're like, what the fuck? Like, right. what, what am I supposed to do here? Like, you guys have got guns. If I start kicking off at you, you never know what will happen. <laughs> like, So, <laughs> you, you know, you, that's literally what was going from my head when I was 18. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then just, I remember we had no money. We lost so much money. I remember we had to, we, we had to call our parents, um, and each one of us had to use this payphone. I think it was a payphone, like outside of a Walmart somewhere and mm -hmm. be like, um, we've budgeted for, we can, we think we can survive on $5 a day. If you guys give us, if you guys can send over a hundred dollars worth of, 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 money to each of our bank accounts we can get through the rest of this tour because we're already minus x amount and we literally don't have any money for food so we would go to mcdonald's every day which is so crazy to think about now yeah. uh, and we would buy so you would you would pick whether you would get three menus off the dollar menu in the morning or two in the evening so like some days i'd be like okay for breakfast i'm really hungry i'll get three items of the dollar menu and then two in the evening and sometimes you do it the other way so it was we were it was like doing supersize me but just doing like a supersize me diet um right and just oh, trying man. to get by yeah so but luckily we had very supportive parents that were like we can send you like you know this five five dollar a day per diem that you've asked for because you know we weren't even getting pds on those shows we were just literally we we're just getting mugged off because we were just little kids you know Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, th just the, the culture shock between, I mean, even when we, you know, when we toured Europe for the first time, our, our brains were melted by, we were like, wait a minute, you provide a place to yeah. sleep? Yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, you, even like, Ryder, you make like, us food? The, <laughs> like, when we went to, when we went to America, I remember the first time we, the, the first show we played, we didn't get any water. And I remember being like, <laughs> I remember being like, we've been on tour for like years in Europe, and you like get you know like a fridge full of beer, like a, a you know dinners provided, uh -huh. and you're like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> go, yeah, go it's to the, the wild west like, out here. You go to the bar and you're like, can I get a water? I'm about to play a show, and they give you one, and then they look at you. And like also, I didn't know about tipping either, so you're like, can I just have a tap water? And they give right. you it, like looking at you like, oh, you drink tap water, and then they're like, dollar please, and you're like, oh. God, there goes my there goes my happy meal. Like what? Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, till, wait till I tell you about our healthcare system. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember being there and just being like, "Don't jump off the stage, just in case." Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, it's fucked. I you know I was going through your discography and like you know clicking around and like listening through stuff and I, we never had the conversation about um, that record, the here and now, which you did with Steve Evans out here. Yeah. And then, you know, like, again, you guys are s put out records just so much. And the fact that you put out a record a year later, that seemed to be like a more return to form because mm. um, that one seemed a lot more straightforward. Um, was there was that like by guidance of any sort of like 
outside voices? Like, was that label? Was that, or is that you guys just being like, let's try something different and go for a little bit more of a straightforward sound? Well, I think we, it was kind of like growing up and, you know, you kind of get to that point where you're like, you kind of discover other music. You go through your, your almost like your teenage years trying to find like the heaviest, most disgusting music that nobody can listen to because you think it's super cool and mm -hmm. you're like you know everybody's gonna love some girls you know everyone loves yeah. some girls and then you all of a sudden you go i'm not really sure if i you know there's a time and a place for that <laughs> yeah um and you're like i actually quite like this coldplay record or you know this <laughs> pink floyd are actually really good and, you, and then you start going like oh i remember the beatles like oh yeah i need to listen to that again that right. was basically our record of like being like maybe we could put some other influences into what we're doing as a band and it just we were so used to working a, a certain way with everybody that we had well so used to you know we've done two records and toured together but that record in particular felt really disjointed you know when we when we were in the studio everybody recorded separately like nobody was in the room at the same time as each other um ali flew home the first day because of a family uh incident so he he was only there for a few days in the middle. Um, and yeah, it was just an odd time, I think, for all of us because we just, I mean, we were in America recording a record, which was crazy. You know, we, mm -hmm. we were, uh, Dillinger was such a massive influence on our band. So to be recording with Steve Everts was insane. But then yeah. also, I don't think we had enough bottle to kind of push against some ideas as well. Like if Steve would suggest something, I think sometimes maybe we were too scared to kind of be like, no. You know, even mm -hmm. though they were our songs, it still just felt a little bit like after it, you know, we we kind of lost our, our way a little bit. And, you know, some people were rinsing us a little bit and, you know, we, we stood by the record and toured it. and But it didn't really feel like us. And, you know, sometimes we were playing songs on the set next to older songs and you'd be like, I enjoyed playing that older song more. You know, I, I think right. now I look back on that record and I really like it. I'm like, I, I remember writing that record. I'm glad it's there. It served as a as a sort of learning curve as to what you can kind of do as a band um, if you really want to push yourself away from everybody and kind of be like, we're just going to do what we want to do. Yeah. Um, which, you know, actually eight records in, we just did that with this one where you're like, actually now we can do what we really feel like we could, could do. But at that age, we just, we're just a bit lost, I think. And uh, I think I'll, uh, all of us kind of pulling in sort of the weird directions and also Ali obviously not being there. And it was odd. It was really odd. Yeah, no, I get it. And also, but the thing, the same thing, going back to what you were saying about, you know, not knowing how to say no, if, if uh producer suggesting something, I mean, it, it's tough because you, you question, why did we go to a producer? And you're like, mm -hmm. well, it's because we want the outside perspective. You yep. know, it's like, we want the outside voice. And this is a guy who's done, I'm sure more than even Dillinger, there's a ton of records that yeah. you guys Saves are all day, fans of. Every Saves time day, I die, like Dead Guy, like all yeah. sorts of great stuff. Insane so like, records. Yeah, he actually just mixed Lament. Um, yeah, and he did an and, incredible job. And I, I emailed him, being like, "That is an incredible <laughs> sounding record." Yeah, he's he's yeah. It was it was a thrill to have him be a part of it. So I understand going to him and having those same like, "Oh shit, so we're working with Steve Evans." But yeah. but then yeah, it's like it's hard, especially when you're younger, to to know your boundaries whether you're like am i comfortable with that idea it's yeah. like we we want to we want this outside perspective but i but you know as you're saying it's like that's all a part of the growing experience and then was writing daybreaker like did it feel 
did it feel um responsive in a positive like like a response in a positive way like you were excited to write those songs or did you or was there some sort of pressure to return to form i think it was more um like let's just go back to what we know where we feel safe and where right. we're where we're happy and feel comfortable um and I think I think back to that record just so fondly. We we rented a house, um, which was you know not like a big house by any means, but we lived together like we were on tour, and saw each other every day and every minute we were in the studio. All of us all vibing off of everything together, you know. And and during during the here and now, it was such a a weird time because we were in LA, we were staying in Garden Grove. The first hotel we were supposed to stay at that we booked for six weeks, when we pulled up, somebody pointed a gun at me, like with their fingers, like and then pulled the trigger, like no. pretending. And I was like, Yeah, I, no, I, I straight up cried. I was like, I'm not like, <sighs> like I can't stay here. Like this is insane. So yeah. do, do you know Danny Lapino that used to uh, used to tour with uh, the Ghost Inside? Used to do merch for them, and he'd done uh, merch for a bunch of other bands. I don't think I do. Big I apologize beard. if he hears this and I do know him. I, I'm bad Big at beard. names. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful human. Okay, yeah. He was like, you can stay at my parents' house. Like, you can just all stay on the lounge floor. And we were like, okay, done. Wow. So some of us stayed, like, some of us would stay in his room. Some of us would stay on the floor. Some of us would stay in, like, a little trailer that he had outside. But because it was all so disjointed, recording vocals, I would start recording vocals at six in the evening. Um, yeah. And then that would go through till midnight. So by the time I would get back to Danny's house, everybody was in bed. So no one would have heard what I'd done during the day. There was no right. discussions about it. It was just me sat in his garden having a cigarette by myself, just being like, I don't know if this is good because I haven't had four people around me go, this is good. Whereas See, when we when we did Daybreaker, it was like we were all together. We were demoing in the, in the house that we were renting. And then we were going to the studio, all of us at the same time. That's a funny conversation in itself. The the needing approval from from your bandmates. It's it's yeah. uh it's a funny thing, especially recording vocals because you're oh. you're at your most vulnerable. Yeah, and then but but the but <laughs> you know every band is every band is different. I very very rarely have ever had anybody present in the band when I'm doing vocals, and when yeah. I when I do, <laughs> uh, there's been so many times where like you know the producer will put on the talk back to like give me some sort of note or whatever and, you hear and then them i can talking. just i can just hear them talking about oh, you know my. what they're gonna eat for dinner and i'm just like man come yeah. on like. the amount of like hissy fits i have thrown when i hear that i'm like you do not give a shit you know right. and, and now you're just like oh you know right you, and, well, you guys are all, allowed in <laughs> and it's funny too because yeah it's like there's a you know there's a slight, slight psychological reason that we're fronting a band we need that yeah. sort of ego <laughs> ego stroke like tell me i'm doing good give yes me, give me some sort of or, or tell me i'm doing bad and you i should do something different you know yes, but exactly but, that um so uh the first record on um epitaph is that the all our gods have a man in us record that was lost forever lost forever, lost forever okay. lost together that was the first time yeah, that was the first. That was the first one with Epitaph. Yeah, and uh, was it basically your your contract was up with Century Media, and they yeah. and they were the next in line, or yeah, I mean uh, they 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 weren't great with us, um, and you know we <laughs> would be the first to say that. Um, sure, there was a few. I mean, just for for example, I remember one of them. I won't name them. They came to 
the the big headline show that we had on Ruin, which was my first London show, which wasn't mm-hmm. a big headline show, but at the time it was the biggest the biggest we'd done. She watched the show. This is after we'd just signed with them, and uh, they said um, the drummer was too tight. Uh, I had no star quality, um, and that the band had no songs, and we needed some star power. That was their <laughs> description of our show after they put out the record. Which was super super cool. So that was a bit. That was pretty much what the the uh, next few years was like. So when we signed with Epitaph, um, they are just. I mean, incredible. They came. They actually, I think Roger or Elaine came to see Architects before I joined the band um, at a really small show somewhere, uh, and were very close to signing them then. But um, yeah, it, it, we I, I couldn't believe it when when they came calling. I mean, just. What an incredible label! You know, you 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 know. I don't need to. I don't need to tell you. They're just the nicest people going. Right. Yeah. I think that's when when we eventually signed because <clears throat> we we first got approached for it survived by, mm-hmm. and we decided to stay with Deathwish. Yeah. But when we signed for for uh, when we were going to do stage four, like one of the big selling points for us was. Not only is it like that they're local, they're literally right down the street from yeah. us, which is kind of nice. Um, not that we need to like go to our label every day or some shit, but it's just nice to be in the vicinity. But then on top of that, you know, so many of the employees that work there have been like coming to see the band and supporting the band since like 2009. So oh. it's like, I know they're, they're interested, you know, it's not just like yeah. they're being hired to like work the record. It's like they're, they're going to do a good job because they're, they know us and there were friends already, you yeah. know? In particular, like Felicia and, and Christine, Alma in Europe, like I love all three of them. You know, like I, mm-hmm. even if we weren't on Epitaph, I would speak to them every day. And I and I do. I just we just message each other just, you know, shooting the shit, which is so right. rare in a in a in a record company. I'm sure I'm sure with Death Wish you probably had that relationship with with um Mr. Bannon. because um, obviously you do you do secret voice through them, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you obviously had a good relationship there. Um, yeah. But yeah. There's something about Epitaph that, I mean, and also just like the history of it. And Brett is like the coolest guy going, you know, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh, Brett likes it. I'm in. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. No, it, it definitely, uh, it, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, you look at the legacy of the label and you're like, okay, yeah, it's like, you know, when we first sat down with Brett, we, you know, one of the parts of the conversation was like, you know, this label has put out at least one record that has changed each one of our lives. Absolutely. You know? Like Absolutely. and and the and it and it runs the gamut of like whether it's rancid, whether it's converge, whether you know it's like it's all over the place. Yeah. Uh you could kind of choose a, a, a genre, you know? It's it's yeah. pretty impressive. But I'm curious though when you after you put out that first epitaph record, the Lost Forever record, did mm. did you feel a change in in uh the audience? Like did it actually did you notice a change with like the growth of uh your listener base? Yeah, I'd say that's the first good record we put out. Like actually like a good full full album um where something just clicked. Um again we were in a studio that we'd wanted to go to for a long time which was in Sweden. We lived together, we could record ourselves all night. We just that time frame is probably my favorite time frame of of being in the band. I think Tom had just had got had had just had like a lump removed on his leg so he'd first you know it was when he sort of first discovered that he he had skin cancer and and then we'd written 
a, a few songs about it on the record, but just it felt like such a free time. Everybody was, you know, obviously focused and working towards the record, but it was like, if, you know what it's like in the studio where you want time by yourself and you just, you know, want to be left alone. And especially if you're like away from home, like when you're on tour, you're like, I just need five minutes away from everybody. Yeah. That just didn't happen. It was like, I want to spend every second with you guys. Like, if we were going to go and exercise, we'd all go together. It would be like, <laughs> we. The first, I remember the second day, the second day we were like, let's go for a run. And we, we ran through these woods to go, to go for a run together. And then we ended up, um, there was this football pitch in the middle of the woods, like a perfect football pitch, like 3G, net, nobody on it. And then we were like, oh my God, imagine if there was a ball. And we could just play football. And then we walked over and there was just one ball by itself, like perfectly pumped up. And we called it the universe ball. We were like, the universe is watching over us. So uh, we've got to look after this ball. The universe is, is here. And, and in the record, I, re I remember, I think the, the the only thanks is like, thank you, universe, you crazy son of a bitch. And it's like, <laughs> it's, that's, that's the only thank you. And it was because of, of, of that. But yeah, I just... I loved it. I loved being there with with them and us being away and there almost being no distractions and and us just yeah. If one of us was recording, someone was making food and then you'd all come in and make food and then go and watch someone else record and it just felt like we'd found what we were really good at with being a band through like some hit and misses and yeah, just figuring out what 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 we kind of needed to do to to you know be a, a great band and and then from that we 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 went on tour and just was mad every show that on the, that, those those tours after lost forever it just felt like how is this happening you know normally we would have like a good show and then you know you'd be like oh well we'll look forward to london or, or we'd look forward to this <laughs> and, and it'll be good but it was like every show was was getting crazier and crazier and, and it just you know was was the, the best time of my life for sure oh i love that yeah it's funny i i, I have this really negative thing where i think if if we have a show that is just so good I get off the stage, I cool down, and then I have a wave of of anxiety where I go, oh, tomorrow's going to be terrible. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, there's no way that this can happen twice in a row, you know? <laughs> and when it does, I I then question everything around me, you know? Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait a like, minute, wait a minute. Man, we've really written a great record. <laughs> <laughs> or just, you know, what 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 did I do to to make the, you know, whoever's above us, if they exist, uh, be yeah. on my side right now? How long were you guys in the studio for that one? For, for All Our Gods? Yeah. I think we were in there for about four or five weeks, I think. It was again, okay. we, were over, we were over in Sweden. And I mean, like, it was the, that was like the hardest time in the studio ever but actually um quite comforting to sort of be together throughout it i think not a lot of people know that like a, a few times during the recording process tom like had to fly home um, yeah. and like get you know t tumors removed and fly back and then carry on recording the record and just be like you know taking him to just <laughs> flying over and uh, yeah, and then the, the rest of us just sort of being there, just like, wh I mean, what do we do? Like, how do we, right. how do we, how do we do this without him? And, and and waiting for him to come back. And you know, again, at the same time, we were all eating super healthy as well, which was which was really nice because it was in solidarity with with Tom. You know, we were all looking after ourselves. Nobody drank for the entire time. Actually, I think it was seven weeks actually, because there was a mm -hmm. little gap in between. Nobody was drinking. Everybody was, you know, we were essentially like 
eating just vegetables, like super, super healthy the whole time. And it was amazing. We, we, we were in a super beautiful picturesque place, but there was, you know, some, some, some really hard times, but there was also some, some amazing times where you, you, I look back on it and I'm like, I'm so glad that, you know, we got to meet him at the airport and tell him that we loved him and that we missed him. And, you know, and in, you know, and I don't listen to that record and necessarily think about the the pain and the, and the hard work that went into it because of because of what was happening with Tom. I just listened to it and I and I love that record. Um, you know, and I think back to you know, there's there's a song on there called Memento Mori, which is eight minutes long, and it's sort of about Tom's journey put into one song about him. You know, with with everything that was happening with him having cancer and and going through his journey and sort of like kind of accepting what was happening and, and becoming like a more peaceful person and the lyrics that he managed to sort of just sneak under me without me even realizing and just be like yeah. i love this vocal take if you do this it sounds like this and if you scream like this over this blast beat it's gonna sound like you know death heaven and i know you love that band so like let's try this and you'd be like oh yeah it kind of does sound like that and you wouldn't <laughs> even think about the fact that i was screaming swan song you know and you're like right you just yeah that that, that sort of stuff just you know he managed to to sort of sneak it past me because he was you know so such a genius and like gone with the wind you know our, you know which is a, a song which is massively about his journey it is is it's unbelievable that he managed to you know get me to to track that song and think anything else other than he was going to be absolutely fine um you know and and i genuinely think it, you know he, he was such an amazing songwriter that that he knew he knew exactly how to make me tick as a vocalist and and how to um you know get the best out of me and, and obviously we were all so concerned for him that you know anytime he showed any sort of like excitement and enthusiasm you'd be like i'm just gonna, i'll go to war for you like right now i'll take this <laughs> bullet for you because you know i want to do everything i possibly can to to make you happy and and make sure you're you know uh, uh, you know happy with what we're doing so yeah it was it was a really really tough time but um yeah, just one that I kind of look back on. I'm like, yeah, there's there's real highs and lows there. I got two questions. One, uh, one is, had Tom always been uh, a lyric writer in the band? Um, the he the first album he wrote the lyrics for was Daybreaker. So Daybreaker, he wrote that, and there was a couple of songs that I'd written on there. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, there was bits and pieces that one of them ended up being a B side, but there was a song called Devil's Island that I I worked with him on. Um, but that record was a lot of like him, uh, Lost Forever was a lot of him sending me like a sort of like load of lyrics. And then I would look through the lyrics and be like, this would be a good chorus. This would be a good, mm. uh, like good verse. And this will be a good bit for here. And, you know, figure it out from, from, from that because he had, a, he had a really great way about writing about the bigger picture. Whereas I was very much like, uh, girls like being sad you know not looking right. at politics and things like that and sort of devil's island was the first sort of song that brought that sort of political vibe to the band but then yeah lost forever was a lot about that and then obviously all our gods was a way more like self yeah a lot of uh, right. his journey so i couldn't write about that so yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna be i was gonna ask if if that if all our gods was also collaborative but if so tom wrote all the lyrics on that record yeah yeah he that was him yeah well i wanted to ask though so like after you know after he passed when you did you then read or did you then 
you know, kind of re-examine all those lyrics and kind of get a completely different point of view from from them. It's it's kind of, it's kind of sounds yeah. like what you were saying a little bit ago, but like, was it? Yeah, did it, it become like, a lot more obvious? It was like just you know, like I I never really spoke about it, but there, there was one day, obviously, like a couple of weeks after he passed away, where I just I just put on that record, and in particular, I had been avoiding Memento for for the majority of of that time period after after he passed away and i just slammed that record as loud as i could and just sat <laughs> in front of it and just cried for like eight minutes like yeah gut-wrenching tears but it was like almost like my way of like appreciating what he'd done and understanding that song probably for the first time and uh yeah and then touring it i mean you know just sitting through and, and and singing those lyrics every night you're like I still, you know, whether it's Tom or Dan writing the lyrics, I've always been like, I have to make, I have to get inside their heads to make it real because otherwise it just sounds like somebody singing somebody else's lyrics, which, right. is, which doesn't, you know, it, I've always felt like if I'm doing this, I'm doing it well. I'm, I'm going to do it so that you believe me. Um, so yeah, I really, you know, took a lot of that on obviously with, with doing that, that, that tour I, I mean you know what it's like you know you wrote those lyrics you you do write the you wrote the lyrics too yeah, yeah 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 so touring touring stage four it's like i imagine you're pretty similar to me where like some days you can some days you can just get through it and mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going into those places you're just focused and you're like, i'm going to deliver this and and you're singing and you're like you know can kind of let it pass you by but sometimes it's just not that that just doesn't happen you can't you just you're just takes you back to that place or something that's happened and you're almost not on stage for three and a half minutes you're just like right i was just somewhere else okay this song is uh you know you're gone yeah no i, I i'm curious if you'll if if you agree with this where i often go on autopilot mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and yeah. and being on autopilot is definitely a defense mechanism mm -hmm. to to not focus on what I'm doing because you know it's I don't know how much press you did around the time of his passing I can't imagine much um mm. but you know that's often a, it's it's a pretty consistent question is always you know especially around that record was like you know how do you perform these songs every night how do you perform yeah. these songs every night and I'm just yeah. like I I I, I can't I, tell you <laughs> I can't yeah. tell yeah exactly and and what throws what what will fuck me up and what will put me in a bad not even just a bad place but just a really sad place is if it's a if it's you know if it's like a uh near a a, a memory you know or like a, yeah. a an anniversary of something of course that's Ugh. always going to be tough you know yeah. playing on my mom's well, even, birthday or something even you know? things like i've been in this room and you've right. been here or i we've been on holiday in this town or like i called yes. you here you know uh, it's silly things isn't it it's those things but then also if i can set i can if i can tell that someone in the audience specifically in the front is is reacting to this in a mm. way that i can tell that they've suffered something that yeah. can also trigger something where i'm like okay like <laughs> yeah you know and i'm gonna and it's gonna be hard for me not to just like kind of focus my attention on this person because you know like i they get it you know yeah. and and you know as we learned you know uh to lighten the conversation a little bit is like as we learn like with touring with bands like rise against and stuff like that like yes you have an audience that doesn't read the lyrics 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, y- you get those audience that, like, you know, when a band like Rage Against the Machine does something political and th- their audience goes, keep it up, keep the politics out of the music. Yeah, you're exactly. Like, yeah. The fuck is the matter with you? You know, yeah. like, you're, you're always going to have people that don't actually read the lyrics and don't get even it. second guess twice what you're, what, you know, whatever. So, like, yeah. y- you can kind of get lost in that when you're playing and you're like, look, I'm, these are just songs to most of these people. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. But then it's when you see the people reacting in a way that you're like, okay, like, yeah this had an effect on this person but um it's the you know going forward i don't know how you've dealt with conversations after shows um has that you know i I wrote about that on our last record you know i wrote it's come up a few times on our last record yeah which i thought was super cool that you did that i was like i was i was getting those moments and being like that is so cool you're like it's almost like another part of your journey a continuation of what you were writing but in a really clever way i was like i'm, oh, I'm I super impressed it. with that um, i appreciate it yeah I it's found, like how how, the, how has that been for you i found the whole touring cycle um for for all our gods and for holy hell obviously because then we wrote a whole record about about grief and and dan in particular right. writing about his, his brother um that a lot of the time as you say i could i could kind of get through it by like kind of just going through the motions but the crowds were so insane and so like the love and the outpouring of 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 yeah just energy that was 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 put on us you know walking out on stage and then the whole room holding signs with just ts on it like thousands of people (sighs) where you're like i just wow you know like how am i supposed to go into a song like nihilist now like i just i just want to tell you i love you Um, right it was it was talking about him every night before the end of Gone with the Wind, before we played Gone with the Wind, which was what we were closing the set with. And then we did we were closing with Doomsday. It was like I always wanted to talk about him and I always wanted to honor his legacy and what he'd created because he was why we were doing these shows. He was how we'd got to this point. But I never wanted to phone it in. I'd never wanted to say the same thing twice. I never wanted to sound like I was just repeating what I said the night before. And that was what was really, really brutal because you just, you go into those places in your mind that you just, that just aren't nice. And then you're having to go and relive those memories and go, whether it be a positive one or a sad one to talk about how special he was in front of thousands of people watching you, just eyes all on you. And they're all crying because they're remembering people that they've lost. And it's just, it's when you, come off stage afterwards and you're just sat in the dressing room and it's just silent and you're like i like i can't even like i can't feel anything right now i'm just it's just nothing like i'm not crying i'm not like beside myself i'm just empty and i've just played to thousands of people singing along to our to our record and it just yeah it was so surreal so surreal i mean yeah it's like you're you're being put in a position where you're having to basically give a eulogy yeah every night yeah to strangers to strangers and you're you know feet away from you know the people that went through this with you and and obviously you know his his brothers you know by you too so it's like you know you also feel like you have this pressure to say all the right things as well you know I I i remember one night there was one night in um in berlin and it was on holy hell and it was just I remember playing that venue with Tom and when we were supporting Parkway Drive and then we were headlining it. And it's I, I regret it now, but at the time, I just 
I couldn't say I was too upset to say any, uh, anything about him and I asked Dan if he would because sometimes Dan will if, if I just mm-hmm. can't do it or I, or, I, or I just just don't feel like I can and yeah. Dan was talking and there was just so many people in the room just talking and it was the first time that he'd talked about it on stage and obviously you know when someone gets a microphone and they're not a singer and they're not holding it too close to their mouth and, and it, it you know it's not not like right there and he's not speaking fully it, yeah it's, it's like a little foreign to them totally yeah and it's also intimidating for him to yes. to be to be doing that so he's covering my back talking about his brother and there is so many people in the room talking that i just grabbed the microphone off of dan and was like everyone in this room pay your fucking respects and shut the fuck up and then i was like oh no like i just i've i'd let myself down like that anger had come through like obviously singing about these songs and obviously seeing Dan go there and him being so vulnerable. Like after the show, I was just like inconsolable. Like Dan came up to me and was like, don't worry. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Like, I appreciate you sticking up for me. You don't need to like, you know, so many of these people don't like, as you say, just don't know the story. They don't, they can't relate to it. And, and they probably can't hear what I'm saying. But yeah, I was so annoyed at myself of like letting that, you know, anger come through that that was almost right. like a lesson of like, that was the moment where I had to just be like, not everybody is that invested. Some people were just coming here for an escape <laughs> from their normal lives. You know, they don't, they don't understand, you know, and, and, and yes. you have to kind of think like that, don't you? Rather than trying to fight people in Berlin for your friend. Right. No, it's tough. It's, it's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, it's like you, we all devote our lives to these things that we feel so precious about. Yeah. And, and we have to sometimes have those hard reality hits where you're like, oh, you know, uh, even to a lesser degree it's like when your when your band announce a, announces a record and then you see a comment of someone saying there's still a band oh, you're like yeah motherfucker yeah. <laughs> i will come and play your lounge yes we are <laughs> oh man um yo so i we could we could jump ahead here yo the with the new record uh i you know i wanted to just start screaming it at you the moment this conversation started but yo <laughs> congratulations on thank you on the number one record in the UK and that yep. Elton John thing you just posted this morning of him <laughs> hyping, hyping the record. Does he have a radio? I'm, I'm a dumb American. Does he have yeah. like a BBC show or something? He has, uh, he has like a beat show, like an Apple music show called Elton okay. John's rocket hour. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, got, I got sent that today and was just like, wow, you know, <laughs> my, my like uh, heroes and idols are like Elton Bowie and Lennon, you know, like they're yeah. my, they're my, my big three. So, to even have our name said by him was like enough. Like my fiance is the biggest Elton John fan and she like burst into tears when I played it to her today. Like such uh, a cool, almost as cool as, as getting the number one is, is him doing that. And yeah, like it's been such a whirlwind. Like we went from, <laughs> from, yeah, it's just crazy. We got number one in, we got number one in Australia as well, which is just I saw. So, so insane. Like just, yeah, I, I just, I can't believe Look, man, it. for uh, let this, you know, for listeners, at, for listeners at home, I think this is something that I, I find that the, when these things happen, it gets, it just gets me so excited. It's like, yo, this is, it's the ninth record. Yeah. Ninth for the ninth record <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to do that. Well, it's that's just unheard of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it felt, it felt mental. Like it just felt almost like the whole time leading up towards finding out where it was like you know obviously we don't write records for for that stuff it's not even a thing that goes through our brain like 
writing songs for radio, writing stuff like that. Like it just, it's not, we've tried in the past and it's not worked, you know? So right. we just, we were just like on that here and now record where you're like, oh, this would be a cool song on radio. It just doesn't work. That You get played on the radio and you get success when you write a good album. That's all that matters. Just write a good album, something that you believe in. And then f the first kind of like midweek chart position, they were like, you're a thousand off being number one. And I was like, let's hustle. Like, let's go. Like, get me the, like, <laughs> I'm going live. I'm going to speak to people. Like, I I'm going to yeah. let people know that this would be not just massive for us, but just massive for like the scene and the extended yes. scene of like a door opening. You know, I I I'm fine with being like a gateway band for people to find out about other bands. You know, I love that. You know, I want, you know, we did a thing. We did a thing uh, recently where I was, I, I did a thing on Radio One where I got to pick like a song and I played a Gate Creeper song. And it was like, you know, like the people were like, what is this? You know, like right. expecting me to pick something. And then I've just got this really fast, hectic band playing. Um, but I just, I love the idea of, again, someone being in their room like me hearing Blink on the radio and just being like, because obviously when I spoke to the guy on the radio, I was so made up because, you know, I've, used to listen to the chart show when I was a kid. And, you know, the, in the UK, it's such a, you know, massive thing um, that I hope someone just heard it and was like, I'm going to pick up an instrument and I don't have to, you know, try and be super cool. I can just, you know, play music with my friends. I think that's all it boils down to is just how much do you love playing music with your mates? And then right. if you do it enough, you know, you, you get better and better at it. Oh, it's man. I'm so, I'm so happy for all of you. It's just such a cool story. I mean, it's like, you know, that like the national didn't even break and become a big band until they were like oh. <laughs> well into their forties. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, it's, but it's so almost, cool. It's also like, I think, you know, you're, you've been very kind to me on, on, on this podcast, but I mean, your band, I mean, I've, the last time we saw you in London, like that was such a big moment, such a big show. And just, so many people going nuts just going nuts everybody knew every single word it was incredible and then the, yeah I just, and then that was lament is is a masterpiece i put it up there with it's my it's my favorite record of last year that and punisher from phoebe which i mean they're just untouchable absolutely untouchable records and you should be very very proud of yourself i appreciate it man i really i really do it's i don't know if you felt this too but like you know, it's like there's so much that goes into the release of a record and, and you're working so hard and you're so proud of it. And then it I don't know if you felt this, but like, you know, you're obviously <clears throat> we're much closer to like shows coming back now yeah. um, than than when we had put out that record. But like, I remember just feeling this overwhelming, like, sigh of like, now what? Yeah, that's exactly like, where I am now. <laughs> like, OK, yeah, okay. it's a weird feeling because yeah. normally we'd be playing a show right now. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it's I mean, just the thought what gets me excited is like the thought of you know going and seeing your band play those songs you know <laughs> i've listened to the record so much where i'm like i can't wait to be in a venue watching a band and also i can't wait to be in a venue playing a show it's like it's right. going to be so brilliant it's going to be so right. brilliant and i think maybe even more so in america i think because i've the thing i noticed when we first went over there and the time that we've spent over there is it's like there was a show in every venue every night of the week. And then sometimes, you know, two of them would probably sell out and then the rest maybe be half full. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like it, 
I mean, it, just speaking from where I am, I will be at that venue every single day and just watch <laughs> every single band. Just yeah. like, inject this music into my arms. Like, let's go. 100%. Um, yo, uh, we, can, we can get towards the end here just because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, oh. Yeah, so I, took, I, I, I pulled three questions from people on the internet. And uh, we, can keep these, we can keep these short. So this will be fun. Um, some of these you kind of already touched on just a little bit, but we can, this feels like a good one considering the, the popularity of your band right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, Ellie Hamilton, have you or, or other members uh, struggled with building meaningful relationships because of fame? And now I know fame is, is definitely like different for different, for different people. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I read that question. I was like, it made me kind of think about that a little bit too, because and again, fame is different for different people. You know, like yeah. you and I are not Ariana Grande, but uh, <laughs> don't put yourself be, down, man. <laughs> but I'm curious. I'm curious for you, like, um, because because I I have you know I thought about this, uh, and I, and I'm curious if uh, if that's anything you've ever really thought about. I guess I've never really thought about it. My my, um, my fiance now when the when I first met her, I mean, just had no idea about our band at all and and in fact just the genre really she was a massive like nina simone fan and, and you know we sort of geeked out over like ella fitzgerald and you know frank sinatra like you know so many other bands and different styles of music and then you know just hit it off straight away and and obviously now she she's a, a fan of the band and, and and understands it more but at the start it was like so easy because i just could just be like myself i didn't feel like i needed to be sam from architects it was just like right. i could just be not that that is any different but she just had no preconceptions of me at all so it was that was super nice but yeah i guess i've, I've never really been in in that position i've never you know been on on any like dating apps or anything like that so yeah i, I mean it could even just mean it could even just mean friendships you know what i'm yeah. saying you you spoke earlier about learning some vocal stuff um let me tell you man so many people want to know about uh, your vocals. So many people <laughs> asked about vocal questions, and I'm sure that's something you get often. But um, I, whenever I'm asked them, my only response is that I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm the exactly, last person to give advice. <laughs> exactly the same. I think it just the only thing I, I can ever say to anyone is just mean it. I think that's it. I think that's it. I just meant it for so long, and it's just I guess it sort of falls into muscle memory, doesn't it? It's like a, it's just a thing that you do. And it, yeah. you know, if you do it for long enough, you you get used to it. It's like I guess like driving a car. I don't drive, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I get like riding a bike. I do ride a bike. Um, you just get used to it, don't you? And then you figure out more stuff that you can do with it. And you know, it's not like overnight I learned how to do it. You know, there was a lot of shows where I probably sounded like a crow dying. Um, <laughs> you know, but you know, the, eventually, you know, through time, you you get better. It's, Practice makes perfect, and you know. Fortunately for for me, we, we got a lot of practice in without anybody there seeing us. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel you one hundred percent. Berkeley Keelhack in on Instagram just asked though, like, do you have a, do you happen to have like a vocal warm up? You mentioned yeah. doing warm ups before. What what is yours? I do it. I do the, the same warm up that I did with with that singing teacher when, when we did the here and now. It, I literally just have a throat coat before every show and then or or just a tea just any sort mm -hmm. of warm tea and then just do i think it's just like 20 minutes of this guy just playing the piano and just doing a lot of like ums and zzz and whatever strange noises he makes i just do it with him 
and that's what I've done since then. Really, uh, I, yeah, you know, the amount of times I've done it, and that, and people have kind of taken the piss out of me. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in, um, I remember being where were we last summer? We were somewhere, and it like Amfrex's crew were like taking the piss out of me doing it somewhere. <laughs> Um, and they were all like laughing at me, and then I just like walked past and just sort. I of, feel like you know. I have a memory of you having your headphones and walking around the halls doing it. Does that Always, mean? yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a little like half an hour thing where you try and find somewhere quiet and not piss anyone off. Right, Andrew Jazzman on Twitter said, uh, "This is the last question. Uh, how do you cool. manage to convey such strong emotions through your vocals? Jeremy and Sam have the very special ability to bring impactful lyrics to life like no other. I don't know that there's really like a." a necessarily like straightforward answer but i think it goes back to what we're saying it's just mean it you know yeah like it's it's definitely not like a plug-in you don't just go right like, okay i'm gonna turn care up to 10 it's like you just you have to just like you have to sing from your heart yeah i think i think the reason it sounds like we both care is because we're both singing about things that we genuinely care about and it's a you don't need to pretend you don't need it's not like a fake thing you're just like this is something that is incredibly important to me and 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 this song means a lot so yeah you can't you can't fake it can you well said well said <laughs> um and the last question i'm gonna have for you which is how i wrap up every show is um mm. do you remember the first time where you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards today when elton john said <laughs> our band's name honestly today it was just like yeah it felt mental like it just it's just so so far above anything that i i mean the position this band is in is absolutely insane after everything we've been through and, and the the actual like strength of of dan and being able to pull all of us together to get here i think the stress of releasing a record is always really super intense even when we found out we got number one it didn't feel like it but then just you know drinking a coffee and then getting a message with a voice note of of elton john playing our song to open the show it was a it was a real like i can't i i can't i'm lost for words i can't believe it you know you're like right uh, yeah you're like i'm just gonna listen to elton john all day like wow like unbelievable but yeah i, I don't know i i think if you ever feel like you've made it or you've done something i, I think you stop trying so i i, I never really sit still and think about stuff i just sort of just keep going but today was that was almost the moment of like actually just stop for a minute and just go wow you know i love that i love that thanks so much sam thanks for coming on and talking to me and uh i, I look forward to when we can see each other hopefully hopefully early next year i really can't wait man absolutely can't wait and i cannot wait to see lament live <sighs> cannot wait you're, you're a prince you're a prince my friend <laughs> you're the best thanks man <laughs> All right, bye Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Yes.